Okay, everybody, we are wrapping up our series on how to be human, not suck at relationships, not be a jerk, not die alone, and that's a lot, right? And so what we're going to talk about today, I think, is going to help us kind of uh, wrap everything up with something that is so vital for every single relationship that you're in. So here, here's the deal. I want you to think about somebody that annoys the crap out of you, Okay. I want you to think of somebody right now that just drives you nuts, just gets on your ever little loving last nerve and jump up and down on it. They just drive you crazy. You would say they're difficult. Uh, they're a little extra. Maybe they're a bit much. I don't know how you want to describe them, but it could be someone you're sitting beside. Don't elbow them. If you're married, eventually your spouse will play that role repeatedly. Uh, if you're a parent, your children will play that role. If you're in a family, you will have family members, brothers and sisters, maybe your pa- uh, moms and dads. You have neighbors that are going to play that role. And if you work with other people at all, you're going to have coworkers that certainly fulfill that annoying, did it drive me nuts kind of thing. And maybe they've dri- driven you nuts for a long time, or maybe it's a new thing. But here's the deal. Imagine that you had the opportunity to get up on this stage and I hand you a microphone and say, tell us about it. Just, just go. We're all ears. Matter of fact, let me get you started. Start with, let me tell you. Yeah, we're going to sit back and you just go. Let me tell you about what they did, about what they said, about what they're like, about what they don't do, about what they do all the time. Let me tell you what they make me feel like and why it's so annoying. Just, all oh, if you had the time, let me tell you. And I bet you would have a lot to say, wouldn't you? Because when it comes to relationships with people and especially difficult people or people who are playing the role of a difficult person in those moments when everybody will do that from time to time, here's something that's true about all of us. We think we know. We think we know. We think we know what their problem is. We think we know what their deal is. We think we know what they do and why they do it and what's really behind it all. We just think we know the situation. We think we know the problem. We think we know them. We think we know what they think. We think we know what they're feeling. And we think we know why. Because we're close to them. They're close to us. We live in close proximity to one another. After all, I'm married to them. After all, they're in my family. After all, I work with I've been working with them for five, ten years. I know what I'm talking about. Trust me. We think we know. Here's what's interesting. Uh, as a side note, have you ever found it fascinating? Have you ever noticed how we think we know even more about people that are not close to us from a distance? Right? You, watch, you watch what you're thinking and, and your reactions when you're watching the news, especially when something big and bad's going on in, in the world, and, and just kind of follow the train of your thought. You think you know. Yeah, I, let me tell you what their problem is. Let me tell you. I bet, I bet, I know what happened. I bet, I bet this, I bet that, and you just go right off. Or that person at school, you know, you've never really talked to them, but they sit on the other side of the classroom or the other side of the lecture hall, and you look at them, and you see her come in, and all you see him come in, you're like, I know what their deal is. I know. And this, you know, this neighbor drives by in that car, in that truck. You're like, I know, I know what's going on there. You drive out of their yard, and it looks a certain way, and you just start, mm-hmm, I'm, mm, yep. 
Interesting how we do that. Like T.S. Eliot was so right when he said, emotions masquerade as information and facts. Chew on that. And that's so big. Emotions masquerade as emotions and facts. We think we know. And because we think we know, especially with those difficult people, we're quick to conclude. We go right to the conclusion. Here's what needs to be done. Here's what needs to be done. Here's what someone needs to tell them. You know what? And I'm going to do it. Well, I, I can't do it, but somebody ought to say, somebody ought to say something, somebody ought to do something. Here's what needs to happen, and here's what they need to do. Here's what needs to be done to them. Yep. We're quick to conclude. We know something, and because we know something, we're quick to assume the rest, and we fill in all the details. Isn't it interesting how we will enter into the middle of the story, and because we think we know we're quick to conclude. We enter into the middle of the story and we start assuming the backstory and the conclusion. And we fill all those gaps in ourselves. Yep, yep, I knew it. This is what, just, just the way it is. We assume the backstory and the conclusion. I do this. I, oh man, I can find myself doing this with people. Um, maybe it's my personality, and I, I hope it's everybody. At least I'd like to tell myself we all struggle with that so I don't feel so bad. But I'll find myself doing that, and like I'll be at home, uh, me and Donna, uh, now we're empty nesters, and, and so we'll, we'll be, you know, just talking. We'll be talking about people like one of y'all. And <laughs> I mean, who else am I going to talk about? And so we're talking about somebody, and I'll go, you know what their problem is? You know what? He is so clear, so clear to me. I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been the pastor for like 25 years. I, I know what I'm talking about. I've seen this time and time and time again. It's textbook. And I just go lay out the whole story. And she's very quick to say, you don't know a stinking thing you're talking about. You don't know that's true. You're just assuming. You know a little bit, and you are, and boy, she is spot on. I'll find myself getting into that. And you ever found yourself being really harsh on others and really lenient on yourself? Right. Right, really, really hard on other people, and you kind of lightweight on yourself. You say, well, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. You hold others to a standard. We all have a tendency to hold others to a standard we don't hold ourselves to. If you don't believe me, think about your driving. Think about how frustrated you get at other people's driving. Didn't use the turn signal. They cut me off. They're going too slow. They're going too fast. But don't anybody talk to me about my driving. My driving is just fine. Thank you very much. Right? Or how we spend money. Right? We're very quick. I can't believe she bought that. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe, oh, my goodness, they just, well, the money grows on trees, and they must have a whole lot more money than they're letting on with because I see. And we just go on and on and on, but we don't want anyone to talk to us about our foolish financial choices. Yeah, we hold people to a standard we don't hold ourselves to. And here's where it gets really sad and dangerous. When we begin to hold other people to a standard that God doesn't even hold them to. Or hold us to either. We play the role of God. I mean, that's a, that's a whole series in and of itself. But that's what we do. We, we, we look at relationships, especially difficult relationships, and we think we know. So we are quick to conclude. And, and, and we take this something we know and, and we just start filling the blanks. There's a better way. There's such a better way. And here's what we need to talk about to help us choose the better way. 
in the gap between what you know about them, what you're sure you know, right? You think you know and you're gonna make a conclusion if you're not careful, but in the gap between what you know and really what you don't know, because you don't know everything you think you know, in that gap, there's a word that's gonna help us. Fill that gap with something that's gonna be so healthy for your relationships, all those relationships. Something you need, I need, we all need, and we're talking about grace. Grace. In the gap between what you know about the situation, because you know something, then you're upset. We gotta be careful because those emotions will masquerade as information and facts. So in, in the gap between what you know and what's obviously, I mean, you see it, you've heard it, it's happening to you, it's experiencing and you see it, right? In the gap between that and, and all this stuff that you don't know, you don't see, the partial information you do have, put grace in that gap. Grace is what every relationship needs. We gotta learn to live with this thing called grace. And the, and the challenge is, is that most of us struggle from time to time being gracious to people that are difficult, especially people who are difficult. Although none of us have problems receiving grace, right? Fine, be gracious to me all you want. That's great. But we really have a hard time showing grace to other people. Now, about this time, especially if you've been around the summit for any length of time at all, especially over the last six months or so in the series that we've been doing, you're thinking, okay, wait, 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 wait. Are, are we going to talk about the, the other side to grace, the other side? Because we've been using two words a lot, grace and truth. Truth and grace, grace and truth. So we're going to talk about the truth thing. Here's the deal, not today. Here's why, because we've talked about truth a lot in this series already. We've talked about a lot of difficult, hard to deal with truth. You know, we've talked about uh, just a couple examples. In this series on relationships, we've talked about the words we use. Be careful of the words we use, how damaging they can be, how encouraging they should be. We've also, a couple of weeks ago, talked about what submission looked like to each other and that we all should submit to one another and that means you before me, you before me, you before me, you before me and living sacrificially. So there's some tough truth we've been talking about and there's a time and a place for truth, a time and a place for accountability. Yes, 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 yes. But today we're talking about grace, grace. Your relationships and especially the relationships within that difficult situation you find yourselves. Those difficult people, annoying you need grace. Let's define grace. If you looked it up, you get all kinds of definitions. Here's one of my favorite definitions through the years that I, I think paints a beautiful picture of grace, especially grace as we see it taught through the scriptures, and it's this. Grace is undeserved favor. The undeserved favor of God in our lives, the undeserved favor of other people in our lives, grace is undeserved favor. You may have used the word or heard the word unmerited favor of God. It's undeserved, it's unmerited. In other words, you don't earn it, it's given. Now, if right now you find yourself kind of having an argument with me in your brain, because you're like, you say that and that sounds great, Pastor Man, but you don't know, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. You're right, I don't know. And you don't know that they just don't deserve grace. Exactly. That's what makes grace, grace. They don't deserve it. If they deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. It would be a reward. In fact, that's the nature of grace. They don't deserve it when they get it. You don't deserve it when you get it. And we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, that's what grace is. 
It's unearned and undeserved. Grace does not exist in a world where people just always get exactly what's coming to them. Let me take it a step further. Those of you that have um, are card-carrying members of the fair police, that's not fair, that's not fair, that's not fair, that's not fair. I love this. I love uh, a pastor in Atlanta, I heard one time say, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden, right? <laughs> when sin happened, fairness, I mean, things just aren't fair. Grace doesn't exist where things are fair because grace is undeserved. Grace is unearned. So if you want fair, you want fair, you want fair, then you want a world without grace. And I don't think you want to live in a world without grace. I know I don't. I want something better than fair. I want grace. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, if I show them grace, this difficult person, they're going to take advantage of it. They will abuse it. That's always a possibility. That's what makes grace grace. If, you, if grace doesn't have with it the possibility of being taken advantage of and abused, then it in of itself is not grace. It ceases to be grace. It's something else. You cannot have grace without the ab ability, the possibility of it being taken advantage of. That's the nature of grace. And it's what all humans need. You can't be in a relationship with other human beings without Grace. Why? Because they're sinner. And guess what? You are too. Now you're married to a sinner, and the person you're married to is married to a sinner. Your children are oh precious little ones. Ah, they got the devil inside. <laughs> your neighbors, your coworkers. Yeah. And you can't be in a relationship with other human beings who are sinners, which is all of us, without grace. That's just how it works. Because none of us, let's be honest, none of us want to be in grace-starved relationships. You wouldn't want to be in a relationship with anyone without grace, without undeserved favor. And God knows that that is how relationships work best, in a context of grace. That's why God teaches us all throughout the scriptures, in so many different ways. In fact, I just want to show you, just, just start out with something really simple. And it's so common in our culture. A lot of people have embraced it, and they don't even realize, they have no idea that it actually is something Jesus said that comes from the scriptures. In fact, it's taught in schools. It's taught to little kids. I mean, it's taught. It's reminded to you all the way through your growing up years. Yeah, it's this idea right here that we should treat them the way you want to be treated. Treat, treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them, that person, that annoying person, treat them the way you want to be treated. Not the way they've treated you, not the way other people have treated you, but the way you want to be treated by other people. That's how you should respond and treat them. Yeah, it's something we call the golden rule, right? I mean, this is just taught. This is just relationship 101. Now, would you want someone to do that to you? No. They don't do that, right? That's the way it is when you're little kids. Or even you just have a strong-willed child. Do you want them to do that to you? I don't care. Okay. No, they don't, right? They're just being obstinate. I'm with you. Had those. Um, yeah. Jesus taught this. That's what Jesus said. So when everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you. There it is. That's grace right there. 
That's what grace looks like. That's undeserved favor, right? They don't deserve it. You're, you're treating them a certain way because that's exactly the way you would want them or anybody else to treat you. And Jesus went on to say, this, this summarizes the, the law and the prophets. I wish we had time to unpack that, but Jesus said, you, you would kind of summarize what the whole Old Testament's about, the Mosaic law, the Old Testament law, the Levitical law, all, the, all that kind of stuff. You summarize the whole thing. You would do well just to focus on treating other people the way you want to be treated. And so much, in fact, everything that is taught in the Old Testament as far as how you should treat other people, that just kind of summarizes right there. Wow, that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. That is grace. Here's the deal. All of us want grace like this. All of us need grace like this. So that means all of us should treat each other this way. As we would want to be treated. But let me take it a step further because it's not just enough for me to treat you the way I want to be treated because I can get a little selfish, right? And I'm doing this for you because I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Okay, you could go, you could get selfish with that. If you have a lack of self-awareness, you could get really turned in on yourself. He said, after all, you know, I'll do this for them so they'll do it for me. Still, a great rule for relationships, especially with difficult people. But let's take it a step further. It's not just about how you want to be treated. It's about how God has already treated you. Treat them the way God has already treated you. Already. I mean, it just goes beyond just the way I want to be treated. I have already been a recipient of more grace than I could possibly imagine. You, my friends, and I don't even know all the details of your life, but you have already been a recipient of more grace than you could possibly imagine from God through Jesus Christ. If you've been around the summit for any length of time, this will be familiar to you. If you're new to the summit, you're gonna hear this from time to time on a regular basis because this is the foundation of our mission and vision here at the church. Jesus said that he gave us a new command to love one another. And he didn't just say, I want you to love each other. And we go, okay, cool, I love, I love. And I make up my decision on what I think love is. And you decide what you think love is. And we all decide what we think love is. And, and we just do the best we can. He said, no, 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 no. I, I want you to love each other. And this is what I mean by love. I want you to love as I've loved you. So you must love one another. He defined what love is. And he showed us what love is. Right? I mean, just right there before the song was written, right? We want to know, Jesus, what love is. And we, we want you to show us. And Jesus said, I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. I've spent, spent my life showing you what love is. And I want you to do for others like I've already done for you. Now, John also records at the beginning of his account of Jesus' ministry something that to me is just mind-blowing. And it's right in this vein of treating each other the way God has treated us. In order for me to treat you the way God has treated me, I need to understand how Jesus has loved me and how God has treated me, right? And so this is what John writes. Out of God's fullness, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. Who has? I have, you have, we all have, we have all received, which leaves out nobody. All means all. All of us have received grace from God on top of the grace that he gave us yesterday. On top of the grace that we got the day before and last week that we took advantage of and, and last month that we didn't deserve and, and, and then last year, 
even though we screwed up anyway. Again, I mean, grace on top of grace, in the place of grace, on top of grace, grace on grace on grace on grace. That's how God treats me. And we're told to treat each other. And Jesus, I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. And that's the way Jesus loves us. Now, again, is there a place for, yeah, but what about accountability? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we know that. We talk about that most all the times in relationships. What we don't often talk about is the foundation of grace that that comes from. Grace in the place of grace. It's no wonder, is it? It's no wonder that the most famous Christian song of all time, most quoted, most sung, most used in movies and scores, most sang at funerals, in special events, the most famous Christian song of all time. And the reason it's the most famous, we've made it that way. I mean, human beings wrote it because it's something we began to realize and we've just made it. I mean, it's it. Come on. It's amazing grace. Interesting, huh? Because we know this. We know this is what makes great relationships tick. And as followers of Jesus, we should be sharing with other people what the grace of God is like just by how we treat each other. In other words, they should get to know us and experience us and as a result, be able to experience the grace of God. So we treat each other as we want to be treated. We treat each other the way God has already treated us through Christ, which is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. We all want it. We all need it. So we should all share it with each other. Now, I understand that you have this special situation that I'm not aware of. And if I understood your scenario, if I understood your scenario, you would understand why grace is, okay, it's enough. Enough grace. It's time for the boom, baby. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna lower it. We're gonna lower it. We're gonna, we're going we're going ham. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to walk in here and, and just kind of lay it. I mean, because I've done the grace thing and it didn't work. It has nothing to do with working. It has nothing to do with the outcome, right? It has nothing to do with the results you get. Well, I'll be gracious if no, no, there is no if. You just yeah. And there's a time and a place again for accountability and truth. But we would all do well to be more gracious than you think is necessary or feel is deserved. I don't see how you're gonna go wrong. Following the example of Jesus to be more gracious than you think is necessary or feel is deserved. Yeah, I, I mean, when you think about it, this is, this is the guide for healthy relationships. This is it, this is the starting point in how you do it, is to be more gracious then you think is necessary. Yeah, and, and you've got all the reasons, right? You've, you've, been keeping, you've been keeping notes on why, and this time, and then this time, and then we did this, and then that, and then this. And you're thinking, you're thinking of that person, that situation at work right now, right? You're thinking about your spouse right now. You're thinking about your children right now. You would all do well. We would all do well to be more gracious than we feel is necessary or deserved. Because that's how gracious God has been with us. That's the heart of what loving first is all about. It, and here's what people often miss. With the, with the balance of grace and truth and truth and grace, we often, you know, a lot of us, we would say, well, we just need to tell it like it is, tell it like it is, and tell it like it is, just go right at it. No, here's the deal. A lot of people can't handle the truth. I mean, it's just the movie is right. You can't handle the truth until they've experienced grace. That's just human beings. 
And so truth often grows out of a foundation of loving grace. Then, once people have experienced the undeserved, unmerited grace of God through each other, then they have a foundation by which they can be receptive to the truth that they need to know. And then we grow and understand what it looks like to follow Jesus and honor Jesus and honor other people in a God-honoring way. Yeah, just grace. Here's the deal. If you're afraid of being too gracious, if, you're, if that's your hang-up, if you're like, I don't know, I don't know. Here's the truth. If, you, if you're never accused of being too gracious, if you're never guilty of being too gracious, then you're never, ever as gracious as Jesus was to people and to you. Because Jesus got accused of being too gracious all the time. It was one of the most common things that just frustrated people, especially religious people, who were concerned about, right? Concerned about the rules, concerned about, they're so frustrated with Jesus because Jesus was always being so stinking gracious. So if you and I have never been over the line on grace, then we've never been as gracious as Jesus has already been with you and me. So with the last few minutes we have together, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to give you a snapshot, a picture of what it looks like to live with grace. Some descriptors that you can kind of um, talk to yourself about. These are self-declaring statements to, to kind of just, this is how I prep myself when I'm going into a meeting with this person. Here's how I need to prep myself when I'm having to interact with this person, when I know this is going to be challenging or when, you know, when my husband or when my wife or when my children or when my neighbors, this is, I got to talk to myself this way. This is what it looks like to live with grace. You may want to take a picture of this. You might need it later. It's just a hunch. I will assume the best. Get up in the morning. I will assume the best. I'm going to assume the best. I'm going to take what I see and I'm going to assume the best. I'm not going to enter into half in the middle and, and assume the, all the rest. No, no, I'm going to assume the best. I'm going to assume the best with what I see, with what I hear, with what I feel. Yeah. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I'm going to assume the best. Boy, you talk about a gossip killer. Yeah, that's a gossip killer. You'll stop hearing gossip when you start assuming the best. And people come, did you know? Did you know? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Here's what I think. I bet, blah, blah, blah. And if your response is, you know what? Let's just assume the best here. We don't know. We really don't know because it's true. We don't know exactly what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And you know, there's probably a part of this that mm, kind of leads us to the next one. Living with grace is saying to yourself and realizing, I don't know the whole story. I don't. I don't know the whole story. You think you know, but you don't. Because, see, you filled in the blanks. Well, this, but then this, and then this, and then this is going to happen, and then off on the trail you go. For where? I mean, you've already planned out the next six months of where this is going to lead and how catastrophic this is going to be in their life and in your life and in our life and then blah, 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 blah. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know the whole story. Time out. Assume the best. Know that you don't know all the info. You don't know all the details. Mm, here's a butt kicker. Here's what it means to live with grace. I will give up my right to be right. I will give up my right to be right. Hmm, I say that tongue in cheek because you really don't have a right to be right. We've given ourselves the right to be right. God has never given anyone the right to be right. Don't make this about you. Here's how I know this is true. Some of you are like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, be right, be right. Well, I mean, we'd all like to be right. It's better than being wrong, right? But 
You don't have a right to be right. Here's how I know that. We're told to follow the example of Jesus. Interestingly enough, Jesus is the only one that is always right, was always right. He is the rightest of the right. He was nothing but right. And Paul writes in Philippians 2 that Jesus gave up his rights. He relinquished them. He gave them up for us. Never made it about just right and wrong, right and right. Jesus was always right. Always. He never went around saying, I could have told you that was going to happen. I knew it. I tried to tell you. No. Not one time you find Jesus talking like that. Give up your right to be right. Because, hey, hey here, here's, here's reality. Gut check. The problem in this difficult relationship between you and them, the problem may also be on your end. The problem could be you. And you might be wrong. Maybe just a little bit. You could be wrong. So give up your right to be right. And know that I need grace too. I need grace too. Not as much as they do, though. No, 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 don't go down there. I need grace too. But I've never done what they, I've never said, and I would never be guilty of, and I could never treat them the way that, okay, maybe not. But you've done enough to need grace in the place of grace already given. You already have received, and, and grace on top of grace, which means you've done enough, all of us have received, so all of us need grace on top of grace on top of grace. So you've done enough already. You may not have a carbon copy experience of them, but don't elevate their issues and ignore your own issues. Don't hold them to a standard that you're not willing to live by yourself or that God doesn't hold us to even. Yeah, you've done enough. And, and you know what? It could be you too. It could happen to you. You could be guilty of the same thing. That's why we have this phrase when we're describing something terrible that somebody else is doing and when we're actually thinking correctly, we will use this phrase, but for the grace of God go I. What's all these cliches about grace? All these songs about grace? Because we know this. We know this. We just got to come back to this. I need grace too. And finally, if you're going to live with grace, ask this question. Live this way. How can I help? How can I help? Now, not how can I help prove that you're wrong. How can I help show you that I was right all along? How can I help show you that you're way off base here and that you're a jerk? And blah, blah. No, 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 that's not, that's not the how can I help. How can I help make this better? How can I help the situation? What can I do to help? Because the truth is, that is so overneeded and so rare in our relationships. In our culture, the line of people who are ready to prove a point is always longer than the line of people that are there to be a part of the solution. And grace seeks to be a part of the solution instead of just pointing out what the problem is and proving a point. I mean, that's, you know, you watch the news, that's what they're doing, right? They're just telling you what the problem is. 
this is broken, this is broken, it's their fault, it's their fault. No, now we really think it's her fault, it's his fault, it's their fault, blah, 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 blah. They're just pointing out, nobody's really helping be a part of the solution. Nobody. I mean, they all end with the sentiment, hey, and let's do something, let's do something. Except nobody does something. You know, it's just it's been this way. It's just our world. It's human nature, right? So again, the line of people, the line of people who, who want to point out what the problem will always be longer than the line of people who really be a part of the solution. And grace people, people that are living with grace are in the shorter line. Wanting to always be ready to be a part of the solution. How can I help? This, my friends, is the nature of grace. This is what grace looks like. You tell yourself, I will assume the best. I'm going, okay, calm down. I'm going to assume the best. I'm going to assume the best. I don't know the whole story. I don't. I just don't. I simply don't. I mean, I know, I may know this. I may know a lot. I may know more than some people know, but I don't know the whole story. And I'm going to give up my right to be right. Not about me. It's not about proving a point. It's not about just other people going, yeah, we should have listened to you. Nope, it's not about that because I need grace too. My goodness knows. I need grace too, and I may end up needing grace from them before the day is over. So let me just, um, let me just help. How can I help? How can I help? That's grace. And this is what it looks like to be human as God created us to be human so that we don't suck at relationships and so we don't be a jerk and so we don't die alone. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this. Oh, I need this. Help me to treat others as I want to be treated selfishly and especially as you have already treated me and you have already given me more grace than I could possibly imagine. So may I just live with grace. Help me to do this at home, my family, with the people I work with, people in my neighborhood, and complete strangers I haven't met yet. And I ask the same for our brothers and sisters here. And joining us online. We all, all want grace. We all need grace. And may we all share it and show it. Because Jesus has set the example. Who was always right. And he has just given us grace upon grace upon grace. May we treat each other that way. And be more gracious than we feel is deserved. Or we feel like we want to. Or is necessary. And Father, may we learn to not just be recipients of grace, which we're very quick to do. May we be just as quick to show it to each other. And may that strengthen our marriages and our families and our teams at work and our community and our church and our world. And may we, your sons and daughters, Lead the way, because we follow the one who paved the way, Jesus, our gracious Savior. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.